No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin the very dramatic account of Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob, who was a dreamer. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 37 on Simply the Bible. We can determine how much importance the Holy Spirit places upon a subject by how much scripture he devotes to it. Ten chapters, at least, of the book of Genesis are devoted to the story of Joseph. Perhaps the reason is that there is no one else in the Bible who so closely parallels the life of Christ in his humiliation, his suffering, and his exaltation. We pick it up in Genesis 37. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. The scriptural spotlight now shifts from Esau and his generations to Jacob and his generations, but the focus is primarily upon Joseph. Joseph was now a youth, the youngest of his brothers, who would have been caring for Jacob's flocks. Benjamin was at home. He was too young. Joseph was out with Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, and he brought back a bad report to his father. Now, it probably wasn't slander, but a report of some negligence of duty or transgression that they did. And in this, Joseph was proving himself to be a faithful witness to his dad, but no doubt Joseph's brothers didn't appreciate it and considered him to be a narc. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. First, I would like us to observe how the narrative switches back and forth from Jacob to Israel. This reflects the fact that although God changed Jacob's name to Israel, his transition from the heel catcher to the prince with God would take some time. Now, for about 15 years, Joseph had been the only son of Rachel, Israel's favored wife. When Rachel died, giving birth to Benjamin, Joseph was a continual reminder to Jacob of the love of his life. And while Reuben, Simeon, and Levi had caused him problems, Joseph loved his father and wanted to please him. Nevertheless, it is not right to favor one child above another. Israel knew what it was like for his own father, Isaac, to show favoritism to his brother Esau. No doubt Israel's other sons could see and feel how their father treated Joseph versus them. And Israel only made matters worse when he gave Joseph a special tunic of many colors. The Hebrew word that is translated many colors may not be the best translation. Today, most scholars believe that it referred to a long-sleeved garment. The working class 
wore sleeveless garments so that their hands would be free to move. Long-sleeved tunics were reserved for the ruling class. Whether it was colorful, ornate, or sleeveless, Joseph's brothers understood that this signified honor and perhaps even meant that their father was disregarding them and bestowing upon Joseph the right of the firstborn. When they spotted this favoritism, they hated Joseph and wouldn't speak peaceably to him. Joseph, due to no fault of his own, found himself in the position of receiving his father's favor and his brother's scorn. Verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. We wonder what possessed Joseph that he would share this dream with his brothers. Didn't he know how they would react? Apparently, Joseph was more a prophet than a politician. It could be that he was just excited to share with them an experience that he felt was from God. Or perhaps Joseph saw it as a divine confirmation of the honor his father had given him. Probably, we can chalk it up to youthful naivety. At 17, Joseph just didn't know how evil and hurtful the world can really be. But whatever the reason, Joseph would have been wise to just keep his mouth shut. Proverbs 12.23 says, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. It is foolish to blurt out everything you know, and especially where those around you lack the appreciation for what you are sharing. Jesus said in Matthew 7.6, Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and turn and attack you. From the brothers' perspective, they thought Joseph was a spoiled, pompous dreamer who had nothing better to do than to make up stories where he was the center of attention and everybody else was his slave. No doubt their resentment of their father's rejection fed into the seething hatred against their younger brother. They were a powder keg ready to explode. Have you ever had a dream that you believe was from God? My wife Cindy has. It was early in our marriage. She dreamed that she had become pregnant and given birth to a boy. It was so clear that she knew this was no ordinary dream. She went to the drugstore the next day and purchased a pregnancy test. And sure enough, it was positive. Later, as she had an ultrasound, she told them not to tell her the gender. She was so convinced that she was having a boy. When it came to picking names, the only one we could agree upon was Justin. When she had her baby shower, she requested boy things and tried to explain to her family and friends that she knew she was having a son. They thought she was crazy and got her all gender-neutral gifts, trying to protect her from herself. As you probably expect by now, she did give birth to a boy, and we did name him Justin. But 
If you've ever had the Lord show you something by supernatural means, then you know that you have to be careful about who you share it with. Many people simply won't understand. Verse 9, Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. We will see that there are three pairs of divine dreams in Joseph's life. This one that he received and two other pairs that he would interpret. The dreams were repeated to show that they were from God and that they were certain to happen. With this second dream, even Israel is concerned to the point that he rebukes Joseph. What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? The interpretation was obvious. The sun, moon, and eleven stars could only refer to Joseph's father, mother, and eleven brothers. But Joseph's mother, Rachel, had died. In this dream, the location moves from earth to heaven. Everyone realizes how wrong it is that they should bow down to Joseph and how audacious it is that Joseph would expect it. With Joseph's brothers, this sentiment turns to hatred and envy. But Israel keeps the matter in mind. Perhaps he's flashing back to the dream God gave him when he was young. When he saw the ladder stretched from earth to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it and he heard the Lord speak. Was God's hand somehow in this? Hmm. You see, the sovereignty of God is a profound mystery. Who was behind this family tension with Joseph's dreams? God, who was preparing Joseph to be exalted above his brothers. God, who was showing Joseph the things to come? God, who was creating a situation where Joseph would be sold as a slave and taken to Egypt? God. How does God use the evil of men to accomplish his will? I don't know, but he does. Just consider Jesus. Look at what he unjustly suffered at the hands of wicked men. He was the beloved son of God who always pleased his father, yet he was rejected by his brothers. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He was betrayed by the one close to him for thirty pieces of silver. He was handed over to sinful men who beat him, mocked him, spit upon him, and crucified him. Yet God used it all for good. It was through Christ's humiliation that he was exalted to the highest place, and given the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love the story of Joseph because it is such a beautiful picture of Jesus. But it is also a picture of how God sovereignly deals with each of us. He is using all things. He's working all things together for good, even the wicked deeds of people in order to accomplish his perfect will in our lives. 
this is difficult for us to understand, especially when we experience the criticism, the cruelty, or the rejection of others. How can God ever use this for good? Joseph would experience great trials, but he would also experience great blessings. Through it all, God was working out his program for the nation of Israel as well as for Joseph personally. As the story unfolds, we will see that in everything, God was with Joseph. And you know what? He will be with you as well. He promised for those who trust in him, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And the good, the bad, and the ugly, God will use to shape you into the vessel of his choosing. It is not for the clay to say to the potter, why have you made me this way? Rather, it is the place of clay to be yielded to the master's touch. That's not always easy because we do have a will and it doesn't always like to be conformed. But as we do, as we surrender to the master's touch and let God have his way with us, in the end, we have the confidence that we will be more and more like Jesus. If we suffer with him, then we will be glorified together with him. And that's something that we can take to the bank. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel of Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. We'd love to hear from you. Tomorrow we will see how the hatred of Joseph's brothers escalated to the point that they sold their younger brother as a slave. Yet God was working out his plan. We hope you'll join us then as we continue in Genesis on Simply the Bible. 